This is your mind, this is your life, this is your time, this is your life, this is your mind, this is your world. Yeah, how long has it been since you got to think for yourself, think, think for yourself? And how long has it been since you've had some time to yourself, unwind with yourself? You can do anything, so don't you hide from yourself, be kind to yourself, intelligent, amazing. Hello and welcome to the Replenish Me show where I interview beautiful and amazing women like my guest today so that we can have strategies to energize ourselves with movement, nourish with wholesome food and reframe our perspective with sweet talk. Today I'm interviewing Maria Alcoke and she is a CrossFit personal trainer as well as a certified pre and postnatal coach and she runs a graphic design business and as if as if that's not enough she's a mom to one three-year-old lovely little girl and one on the way welcome to the show thank you so much for having me i'm excited to talk i'm excited to hear about this so it's not enough to have one business you have to have three oh yeah <laughs> there has to be always something, always a, a ball balancing in the air. That's kind of how I've always been. Beautiful. So how, how did you, which one started first, the graphic design or the, the CrossFit? The fitness. Okay. So, I mean, fitness has always been a part of my life. It was not always a professional path for me. I was a student of art growing up. My mom was an artist, art teacher, uh, a self-proclaimed artist, as well as an administrator. So there was education and art in my blood. And I went to school for graphic design and photography. I got a master's in digital arts and I worked as a graphic designer and a web developer in a corporate sort of, you know, small business startup setting for many years. And then I decided to take my talents to to take them out on my own and start freelancing. And that gave me some flexibility in choosing my clients, in finding different types of work and being able to be more creative. But that also gave me an opportunity to work remotely and take a step away from that sort of standard nine to five. So I would say I've been doing this now for going on, gosh, 12, 15 years, something like that. And when I found out that I was pregnant with my daughter, my husband and I were actually business partners in a completely different business. And we moved across the country and we left our stable jobs and started the business together. Several months later, baby comes. I'm, a, I'm sort of this in that maternity leave, you know, postpartum phase. And I realized how much I'm not interested in working as his business partner. I want to, I still want to work. I still want to challenge myself and use my skill set, but I wanted to go back to design. And so I started a freelance full-time that, that basically built up what is now Maria Vita Creative. I have one employee, so it's a teeny tiny little business, but it operates uh, pretty seamlessly. I've got a variety of clients that are repeat. I have clients that um, come in through referral. And I feel very fortunate to have the flexibility to work remotely, to travel, and to also have a little bit of flexibility to work when my daughter's with me. Usually it's challenging now with a three-year-old, but the fitness aspect came in as sort of a, another layer of self-care for me. So fitness has always been part of my self-care routine. I love to move. I like to sweat. That's kind of my, my go-to stress relief, my therapy. 
And I started coaching when I was living in San Diego as just a passion. I had always been, I had actually been a high school teacher briefly <laughs> as well. So I wanted to kind of go through that process of leading people and guiding people through different experiences, whether it was in the classroom or at the gym. And when I moved to the East Coast with my husband, we decided that it was important for me to get back into the gym and, and create a community that way. And then several months after I started training at, a, at the gym that I'm currently coaching at, they asked me to join their, their coaching staff. And then from there, my passion for working specifically with women, um, specifically pre and postnatal, uh, kind of evolved and I, I got certified to train that demographic. And so that's kind of how it all came together. And it's just a, a little bit of a harmony between one job, the other job, and then of course the, the momming, which is a full-time job. <laughs> yes, 100%. And as you can hear, I'm momming in the background. Yeah. <laughs> you have four kids, right? I have six. Six kids. Oh my gosh. Yeah. yeah. So, um, and I have um, my oldest one, I do have her help me mm -hmm. with, as well as with um, the kids. Yeah. I'm going to miss her a lot. <laughs> It's right to have the age gap where there's a little bit of extra help, extra hands on deck, I'm sure. Yes. So that, that's really, it seems like a very natural and um, seamless progression from one thing to another. Like as your life changed, your career kind of changed, but you didn't lose the pieces. So, and this is a really good point that I want to bring up because a lot of times we get tunnel vision thinking that we're just supposed to do one thing. But I saw a really interesting post this weekend from uh, Paul Brunson, he's like one of my mentors. Um, and he was saying, I have 10 sources of income and none of them is more than 20%, you know, right, of his total income. So it's really great, you know, and I kind of wanted to bring some attention to the fact that you're doing graphic design, but you're not focusing on it, but at the same time, you've moved on to other things and you're not like shutting the door to other possibilities. I like that. Yeah. No, it's, it, that speaks to me a lot, the, just having those multiple streams of income. That was something that my husband actually introduced me to when he, the, the business that we had started together was actually a real estate investing business. And so we learned about different forms of passive income and kind of building business from a place of knowing that it's not just going to be focusing in one niche. It, while you can always niche down, um, there's ways of kind of finding different paths of streams of income, that sort of thing. And it's funny that you kind of mentioned just having, you know, the fact that I have my foot in several buckets or whatever you want to call it. The other thing I do that I didn't mention is I'm a podcaster. And so I host a podcast called the Engine Mom Podcast. And the engine was the metaphor for all of those different moving parts that make us, you know, just whole. And it was very true. The tunnel vision was it was the, the tunnel was focusing on my daughter originally. And then I realized how much I yearned for the social connection the challenge and the creative outlet for me. And then of course the movement component. And so all of that funneled into these different sort of, I heard they call them like the core components of the engine mom. And that's just whatever keeps you moving, keeps you fluid and, and fueled and energized and driven. And so yeah, it's very applicable to make sure that, at least for me, and I know some people have more of a focus, I think I have a little bit of ADD in that regard, where I, I like to keep yeah. myself occupied in different spaces. Um, but that's been what makes me feel the most alive in the mornings I wake up and it's like, 
nothing feels like a drag. I mean, you know, there's days where I'm dragging, but it feels very authentic and that's what I'm going for. Yeah, that that's beautiful. And that's, and that's what makes you feel fulfilled, right? hundred percent. Yeah. Being, being whole and keeping that engine running. And I, I don't know that you have ADHD. I would say that <laughs> you're just like a normal human being. And, and that's another thing, you know, I think that makes us a little bit stressed out because we feel like we have to be a master at something, just one thing. And clearly as moms, you're going to master a whole lot of things. <laughs> so, um, and that comes from somewhere you were already, you know, mastering things before you became a mom and, you know, not losing that part of yourself, I guess, is what the engine mom message is, right? Absolutely. And I also think that that's, that's part of, like you said, we, we become the master of many things. We also learn what we're not good at. We, we understand our strengths, but we also recognize our weaknesses, not as failures, but just either areas of growth or maybe that's just where we outsource. Maybe that's just where we get extra help. And, and that is a big part of staying true to ourselves because you can't, I mean, you can fake it till you make it in many cases, but there's a lot of things that you can hand off and say, Hey, I'm not very good at this, but I know you are, you know, how can we support each other? Yes. So yes, let's talk about that for a minute, getting to know what you need to delegate. Cause a lot of people that I work with, they're just like, Oh, I'm so overwhelmed. And then when we drill down, it's like they're overwhelmed with stuff that they're not good at. Right. Yeah. So like, how, how do you um, make that delineation of what you can do and what you can't do? Uh, that's a good question. And it's, it's, for me, it's trial and error. You know, I think that I'm one of those people, I guess if I'm putting labels on myself, type A is probably the, you know, I could put myself in that category simply because I like to do things my way. Um, I like to be organized a certain way, just have that kind of in my nature. But at the same time, especially in the space that I'm in now with my you know, multi-faceted my businesses and my interests and my passions and my family, of course, I learned that there's not, I can't do it all. And there's certain things I need to walk away from. And I think that's sometimes you have to kind of get to that point of extreme overwhelm or feeling like you're literally being pulled in so many directions. You're going to, you're going to break apart to give you that it's like that aha moment. I need to step back. I need to evaluate and see what's working and what's not working. Um, and so there's a lot of things that ha have helped me in my motherhood transition, in my business transition, really communicating my needs with my husband, just letting him know kind of what's, what's going on with me emotionally and kind of what's on my plate for the week in terms of my schedule, just trying to be really regimented with that routines. I've, I'm, I'm always preaching routine on my show, talking to a lot of women about what they do or what they don't do and trying to not be so rigid about the routine either. So it's like that, you know, I, I, I kind of knock the word balance. I guess harmony is kind of the, the more appropriate term or it feels better for me, but finding harmony in doing things one way, but also being okay to shift because of course, as a parent, and I've got one kid, so I can't imagine having to shift everything, you know, when, when you've got multiple, but um, just being okay with things not always turning out the way that you anticipate or not having these super high expectations. And that is certainly something that I'm working on regularly because some days I'm like, I got this. And other days I'm like, 
every expectation is completely, you know, it's unmet. And so it's uh, a constant evolution. Yeah. Yeah. That, that is a great way to put it. I, I would like to pull out some of the words that you used here. So harmony. Yes. That's the word communication, communication with your spouse, having a routine. Those are all great things. And I like the last part about the routine is being fluid with that. Just mm-hmm. rolling with, cause you have a three-year-old, let's be real. Like, I mean, there, I mean, of course there's like the standard boundaries that you're setting, but then there's life, right? Mm-hmm. So um, that, that's really good for reinforcement. So let's talk a little bit about like right now you're expecting you're like halfway through your, your second pregnancy, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So how are you managing your, um, your energy? Cause you know, this is the most, your second trimester. So that's the most energetic yeah. time, right? Yes. So how are you doing that? So it's funny because I referred to it recently to a girlfriend who is having her first. And I said, just wait for the second trimester magic because it is, it feels magical compared, well, at least for me, for, compared to the first. I was sick with both and we're having another girl. So maybe that is the con- connection there. But I was sick with both of my girls all the way to the end of the first trimester. And actually with this one, even into the last couple weeks, just random nausea out of nowhere. Um, and energy was just completely down. And like I said, I'm, fitness is like my thing. And sweating and moving and just feeling really powerful in my body. And I, I felt the opposite. I felt completely drained. My, my strength was lack. I just felt like it was slowly deteriorating. And the energy, even just to do the simplest tasks, like sit at my desk for an hour and answer emails and, and do a couple you know, tasks within projects was was hard because it was sitting at the screen and kind of getting uncomfortable or nauseated just watching, like going through the screen and um, getting up in the morning to just do the regular routine. I mean, the routine itself that I, that I was really proud of or sort of pride myself on, I would get up and I would meditate and I would write and I would, um, you know, journal or, or um, read one of the two. And that went completely out the window. I took advantage of every extra minute of sleep I could get. I would take naps. And there's that guilt kind of feeling in the back of my mind, like, okay, I'm not, you know, I'm I'm fortunate because I have the ability to take a nap in the middle of the day. But at the same time, like, what about these tasks that are adding up on the list, you know, or what about later when, when dinner, it's time for dinner. And thank God for my husband. He's been great because he's been, you know, especially when I was sick, I was like, I can't cook anything. (laughs) make me some rice in the rice cooker and I'll maybe eat an egg. And that was about all I could stomach. And then I would nap on the couch while they ate dinner together. He would do bath. So now, I mean, back then, you know, it was just letting myself be okay with being quote lazy, just letting my body tell me what to do. And it was hard uh, the first time around, I think easier the second time because I had the toddler, I had the, the help and I knew that this was going to pass. And I knew that if I just let myself rest now, the energy will return. So it did. And I feel really good now. Um, it's now it's just a matter of checking in and slowing down when I, when I'm starting to feel a little bit run down, whether that's emotionally or physically, um, even when I'm exercising in the gym, because I'm still training, and that feels really good to me. But I'm, but I know that I'm not pushing myself the same way that I would when I was, you know, not with child and not um, 
not focused on training in a different time of my, my life, you know, a different type of space. So I hear you talking a lot about body awareness and listening to the needs of your body. So how have you modified your workout to accommodate your pregnancy? That's a great question. And it's interesting because a lot of the training that I received when I was getting certified to coach pre and postpartum, and then plus the, I follow a lot of influential trainers that are working in that space on kind of a higher level. You know, we talk a lot about the fact that you hear this sort of messaging, like listen to your body, your body will tell you what to do. And that, that is, there's an extent to that, that that that's true. But at the same time, there's so many things that you have to consider during pregnancy, especially during the second and third trimester. I mean, well, all, all of the trimesters and the fourth trimester, which is also kind of this buzzword, but it's so overlooked, I think. And so some of the things I've been doing is just not only listening to my body, but understanding why I'm doing certain things. So as a CrossFit I would say an amateur CrossFit competitor, right? So I like to do local competitions. I'm not the best athlete out there, but it's fun to challenge myself. I know that I need to put my ego aside. I need to put my, that competitor mentality away during this time and focus on what's going to benefit me now and what's also going to allow me to recover smarter uh, after you know postpartum in, in that phase. So I'm doing a lot of work on the posterior chain, which is essentially just the backside of my body to basically strengthen that so that when I'm carrying a lot of extra weight in the front, I'm more balanced. Being really uh, cognizant of my alignment, so spinal alignment, pelvic alignment, trying to make sure that that stays optimal. And optimal is, you know, it's going to be different for everybody. And that's where I think this training in this space can be tricky because you can work with one athlete who may have no symptoms of core dysfunction or may have perfect alignment even when they're at their largest, you know, in their last trimester. Um, and then you could be working with a, with a client or an athlete that has always had some type of anterior pelvic tilt or posterior, something where they're going to be having to modify and having to be very careful about how they move uh, going forward. And so it's been really, it's been amazing to kind of work on myself and learn what's working for me as an athlete, but then also it, that doesn't necessarily mean it's going to work for another athlete that I'm working with. So it's been, it's been a fun exploration. And then I just continue to absorb as much as I can trying to find as many, I, I've been kind of eating up all this different types of education I can and spending money left and right on these different certifications, but I'm fascinated and I'm passionate about becoming more of a resource. Um, Cause I think that especially in women's health, there's a lot of gaps in recovery and just kind of the messaging that is being shared with women, especially in the fitness space. So I want to be an advocate for, for women, especially in, in that athletic space. I like that. That's good mm -hmm. because, you know, a lot of times just the average woman who's pregnant is trying to, you know, just make sure that she doesn't pee her pants after having a baby to be right. frank. And I've had those conversations with women and they're like, I remember this like um, vividly because I had just had my fourth 
and this other mom, we were at one of those, I think, homeschooling events, and she was like, oh, you have four kids, too. She's like, you can't do Jeff and Jax anymore, can you? And I was like, what does that mean? Right? Like, <laughs> you know, you're being your pants. And I'm like, no, I'm not. What are you? You know, and so yeah. those are things that are really important. So when you were talking about the, the pelvic, you know, alignment and everything, you know, those are, I think, a little bit related to what we do during pregnancy, but more so related to the fourth trimester. So what are some of the recovery things after pregnancy? And before you answer, I mean, we all know that the first six weeks is like an absolute no-no for any kind of activity, but what have you seen in working with clients? Yeah, no, that's a great question. And I think with it's funny that you mentioned the, you know, it's where this hush hush, like you pee your pants. So there was this sort of, I don't want to say joke, but there was this ongoing theme of, you know, we do a lot of jumping, jump rope, rebounding, that type of stuff in CrossFit. And so there was always, I mean, for lack of a better word, there was the joke that all the moms or all the women would run to the bathroom before the double under workout or before the jump rope. And it got to a point where, especially once I started understanding the pelvic floor and, and the core as a whole and as, as, as a unit, I was like, oh, that makes sense. And I was fortunate. I didn't have that, that core dysfunction postpartum with my first, um, but I had heard so many stories and I learned about the pelvic floor and about pelvic floor physical therapy, which I had honestly never heard of. I said, how did, this, how did I not know? I mean, as a female who's had a child, I'm studying this in, you know, in my textbook. How have I never been informed of this? Um, not by my OB, not by a midwife. And I know that that's not exactly their space to diagnose or to say, oh, we think you might have a pelvic floor dysfunction or you might have a prolapse, this or that. Um, but that's why I, I want to be an advocate. I want to say, hey, are you experiencing these symptoms? Because while they may be common, they're not normal. And there are ways that you can fix them beyond just going opting immediately for surgery, right? Because there's a lot of, you know, it's very easy for someone to say, oh, well, I've heard so-and-so got this surgery done. But before we jump there, you know, you can see a specialist. So postpartum for sure, six weeks, you know, you hear, well, I'm in a lot of support groups online and some of them are monitored and moderated by professionals. Some of them are just kind of free for all. And some of the stuff I read, I'm like, oh my gosh, I really hope that you don't take that person's advice. <laughs> but they, you know, talk about, you know, oh, like you can get back to the gym as soon as you're ready, like six weeks and you're cleared, you're good to go. And you think about it. And, and this is how I talk to my, my athletes. I say, you know, nine months, your body is, well, I think it's technically 10 months, right? 40 weeks, whatever it is. But I'm like, your body changes so much in that time. It does so much work. If you had shoulder surgery, for example, typically yeah, six weeks until you start doing your rehab, you're not back in the gym doing the exact same stuff you did prior to that injury, you know, you're still, you're, re you're, you're re rehabilitating, you're moving, you're strengthening, you're doing things to get that, to build back to that level. So the thought that, and I'm not saying everyone has this thought, but the, 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 the overall thought that, oh, oh, I'm six weeks, I'm cleared, I'm good to go. I'm, 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 I'm good is not, I, I don't agree with it. You know, I think being cleared by your doctor saying, yes, you, maybe you're able to have sexual activity. Maybe you're able to start doing light activity again. You've no longer, you're no longer bleeding. You're no longer scarred or, or well, you know, you're no longer um, healing there, whatever. But there are, yes, yeah, scarring and there are other issues that can, I would say, be overlooked. But the, 
as a, as a, especially a new mom, you might just have not been exposed to things like prolapse or diastasis recti, things like that. And so with this baby, and, and this is what I tell all my, all my current pregnant clients and postpartum clients, make an appointment with a pelvic floor physiotherapist. You can find someone in your area, most likely, um, you know, if you're struggling to maybe reach out to a mom's group or see if you can get a referral from your doctor. I, I wish I had done that with my daughter, with my first daughter. So knowing what I know now, I'm definitely going to see just, you never know, you know, some people can get away with a clean bill and if, if that makes sense, but others have little subtle issues within their core, little subtle dysfunctions or misalignments or whatever, um, whatever the case may be. I'm not a doctor, so I'm unfortunately unable to diagnose that, but I can at least refer out and say, here's a resource that I can give you. Um, and then in terms of just movement and exercise, a lot of what I've done in the past, I've run some postpartum programs. So women have been cleared by their doctor for exercise, but that doesn't mean we're just diving into CrossFit as, as it is written. Um, we do a lot of breath work, a lot of connecting back to the core because you are essentially, I mean, you're not disconnected, but you're not using it the same way postpartum. It, it's going to take time to kind of rebuild that connection. Um, and so breathing, super important. And then just moving in ways that are functional. So thinking about what you do as a mom. I mean, I know that they say, uh, you know, especially post C-section, you know, you're not supposed to lift anything heavier than your baby, but how do you do that if you're a parent with multiple kids? How do you do that if you have to carry laundry or the groceries, you know? <laughs> and so I try to be practical about the things that we do in the classes. You know, some women come with, with previous athletic backgrounds and it might feel a little slow, but I say, you know what? At this point, slow is going to be your best friend because it's going to allow you to rebuild the the technique, the posture, the the alignment, all of the the kind of fun fundamentals of moving that are going to allow you to be optimal once you return to whatever you know point of athleticism your goal is to get back to. Some women just want to lose you know lose the baby weight and feel strong again. Some women want to get back to a competitive level, and I don't knock anyone for having like aesthetic goals, but I always focus on empowering them and giving them opportunities to move and advocate for themselves as opposed to just saying like, let's get you back into your pre-baby pants. Cause like that to me is not, not the point of exercise and not the point of movement. I love everything you just said. I hope that, you know, the women that you work with really understand like how amazing and wonderful you are, you know, because I think that's at the core of like a lot of, issues that women have post baby, right? Yeah. Sounds like you address body image issues, um, like mindset issues and um, respecting your body, right? Because the alignment is off. I mean, I've, I've had six kids, right? So with my number five, it was like my right hip and I had to actually go to a chiropractor in order to mm -hmm. it before I could even exercise. And that six week window is so relative because like after my first child, you know, clearly six weeks was fine, but the more children I had, sometimes it was eight weeks, sometimes it was 10 weeks and mm -hmm. sometimes it was 12 weeks, you know? And, um, as far as physical activity and the physical activity was walking, you know, right. what I could do. 
And so um, just really honoring your body and giving it space and then getting back into your baby clothes, your pre-baby clothes. That's another thing because your body does change so much that you may be the same weight, but you won't be the same shape. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Yeah. um, So yeah, that's, I just want to, you know, recognize the work that you're doing there. And um, I hope for any and all of the personal trainers that work with women that hear this interview, that they learn from that piece. Yeah. I'm glad that you brought that up, the multiple children and just how different the recoveries are. Cause I think that's another piece of the puzzle where, you know, I mean, I, I have this sort of mentality in this in right now, knowing that I'm having a daughter, I still have this weird vision that I'm going to be giving birth to my first, you know what I mean? Like, I feel like I'm having the same baby, but she's going to be a completely different person. They're not going to look the same. I mean, you know, they'll probably have similar features, but they're going to be different babies. My postpartum experience is going to be completely different. You know, maybe nursing will be easier this time. Maybe it'll be harder. Maybe my, you know, my body will show different signs in the postpartum phase than it did the first time around, you know? And so you can set these expectations for yourself. And I'm not immune to all of the, you know, the body image, negative talk and the mindset. It's, it's just something that I kind of work on because I want to be a good example. I want to set that example. I continue to remind myself like comparison is this sort of dirty game <laughs> and to just embrace the different stages and not have, you know, know what I have preferences for in terms of like birth, like my experience, everything there, but not be so married to a specific outcome because if you don't have that much control. You know, you can control the things that you can, yeah, you can control the things you can control. And then there are things that are just going to happen because that's how the world works. That's how life is. So it's, um, it's going to be an interesting journey to kind of see how I can, I continue to remind myself of that, but also, you know, that's what I do with my clients. And I have a lot of friends who in the first time around or have a lot of questions and like, why does my body look like this now? It's like, well, just wait, you know, and they're wanting like the big round belly and it's like, what's coming? I promise, you know, and, and that's, and that's going to be something that you embrace. And, even when you feel a little fluffy or whatever the word, you know, if you're not used to that, you are your most, you are your biggest critic. You know, most people that don't know you're pregnant don't think that you let yourself, you know, there's a lot of that sort of thought, you know, those, that mental thought going on, I think for, for women who are used to seeing a certain, you know, reflection in the mirror. And it is about just embracing the stages and, Sometimes it's about putting on a really cute outfit and putting on some makeup and just feeling really good and then going out there with like that, that level of confidence. And I am not against that at all. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. So that's, that's really good. I'm glad that you're, you're doing that work and helping, you know, women in that space. And I like the, the last piece you said about mindset. So let's talk about some strategies you use Let's, let's call it sweet talk. So how yeah. do you talk yourself? So I do a lot of journaling now, you know, I've taken some breaks, but it feels really good for me. I am a vocal person or I'm just a, I'm a sharer. So I like to communicate my feelings and my thoughts. I don't, I'm not really good at bottling up because that doesn't, that doesn't usually end well. Um, so even if I'm having negative self-talk, putting it on paper, and then I've gotten into this sort of habit where I will, 
put it out up, out into the universe, you know, let it free from my mind, and then literally rewrite the story. So rewrite whatever is happening on the, on the paper or in my mind, changing the thought pattern. And it feels a little cheesy. <laughs> you know, there's times where I'm like, this sounds so fake, or I just don't feel authentic. But it, it's amazing how that can shift. It's a subtle shift, right? Um, I do a lot of... I mean, this, I guess this is, yeah, it's a sweet talk. I, I listen to music that just gets me happy. Um, I have like different playlists. I have a, a monthly newsletter that I, I send out to some of my followers and I always have a monthly theme and a playlist and it's usually just whatever, I have a theme of the month and so the music kind of aligns with that and um, there's days where I'm not feeling that great. Um, I feel, you know, if I'm being down on myself, sometimes music really helps. And had I mentioned before, even just, Throwing on because I am I work from home. I work at a gym, so I'm either in some gym clothes, sweaty, my hair is pulled back. I don't really do my makeup that often, so sometimes just putting a little bit of makeup on and just for the sake of looking in the mirror and saying, "Hey, I like the way I look." That to me is it's a simple self care practice that works for me. You know, I think some women might might disagree and say, "I don't really that that doesn't do it for me," but that for me just you know, I called myself vain the other day and my friend said, no, that's, that's part of, you know, feeling good about yourself, you know? Yeah. So that's some of the things that I do. And of course, movement is always a thing. So whether it's going out, I mean, lately you're in West Virginia, so I don't know how, I'm sure the heat's similar. We've had so much heat, um, being out when it's, you know, when I can stand the heat, I love just even just going out for a walk, like taking my dog, throwing on some headphones, listening to music or listening to nothing is nice to kind of tune out, um, little things like that. That's cool. So, all right. I'm, I'm now thinking I should have asked this other question first because yeah. I like all your answers. So like we, okay, I'm going to ask it anyway. Yeah. Yeah. I've, I, you know, we've talked about a lot of different things, but at this point, what would you say are the top three takeaways from the conversation? From our conversation today, I think having, I think harmony still stands out to me. I mean, I said that earlier and you had, you kind of replicated it and finding harmony in all the things, you know, and I think that's why I love that metaphor of the engine and, and even just having the, the idea of the cogs aligning because when everything is aligned, everything is functioning, right? And if something gets stuck, you're kind of stalling in one area of your life. And so trying to find the harmony in things. And sometimes that means you're, you're doing a ton more work than you are play, or maybe it's the opposite. And I think that's where that, that harmony plays in to the whole person. Um, the second takeaway would be just women, uh, women's health and advocating for women's health. I think that's just something that you and I are both very pa passionate about in terms of physical health, but also emotional health and wellness. And then I guess that leads into the third takeaway, which is just you know, you say you like to talk about sweet talk and I, and I just think that that's so important. I think self-care is, that's like a hashtag. That's a very popular buzzword right now, self-care. And that means something different to everyone. And I think that's a part of our responsibility in self-care is to figure out what that is. What, what is it that we need? Because I know a lot of people that would rather not spend an hour in the gym like I would and socialize that way. So um, I think those are the three takeaways for me. I like that. Being aware, being aware in self-care. <laughs> yeah. That could be a good hashtag. Yeah. Let's start using that one. 
So, um, so how do people work with you? On any well, of businesses. <laughs> yeah. So typically I get referrals through my website or I have a, you know, a friend, friend will, will send information. But so for my design work, uh, mariavita.com is my website. People typically connect with me and I'll give, um, you know, about a 30, we do a 30 to 45 minute exploratory call to see if we'd be a good fit. I create a proposal and we just talk about the goals of the, the brand and the business. I, I work with a lot of small businesses and so I want to be accessible to them in terms of my costs and, you know, just being available because it's not like working with a big agency where you're, you're, you know, you have a, an account manager. It's just, it's me and, or my, I, she's my employee. I don't want to call her intern, but she's a younger employee of mine. She's fantastic. Mm -hmm. um, and then with, with the training, something that I'm actually really, my goal is to build up a, a platform where I can train remotely which again is challenging, especially in the, in the niche of the pre and postpartum or prenatal and post postnatal. I, I haven't quite figured out what that looks like. Um, but I train clients locally in Columbia, Maryland, where, where my, my gym is. And I also have people that connect with me through my podcast engine Okay. So I'll make sure that all those links are below the video and above the podcast. Yeah. And what was the other thing? You made me think of something. Okay, so the harmony, I'm just going to give you background for that. Yeah. I started blogging 10 years ago, and it was called Living in Harmony Motherhood. So that oh. my word for a minute. Um, yeah. <laughs> and the other thing is, um, oh, wow. When you were telling me all your different links, well, it'll come back to me anyway. Is there anything more that you would like to share with us today? I don't think so. I'm trying to think if there, if I'm missing. If there, it feels like there's there's always something to, right. to add in. Um, I'm just I'm just excited to be able to connect with people in different ways. You know, through the podcast, through my design business, helping businesses grow and create identity for businesses, and then just allowing. I work with all athletes. I don't just work with women, but I'm clearly passionate about working with women specifically and just watching somebody gain confidence in their life in general through fitness, through the movement of their own bodies and kind of finding ways that they never thought they could do, you know, certain things, whether it be strength wise or endurance wise, whatever. I just think that that's a blessing that I have the opportunities to do that. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. So that's what I was thinking about the socialization and your podcast. So like when I do this podcast and I get to um, interview people like you, it's like, it's a little bit like self-care, self-development and like social time for me. Do you feel the same way about your podcast? A hundred percent because, you know, like you, I, well, I'm because you would, work with, you have clients that you work with, but I imagine that you're home a lot and not in an, you're not in an office setting. So for me, you know, back when I was in that office setting, that was kind of my social time. Um, and then, you know, I was single and didn't have children. So we would go out to dinners and happy hours and things like that. So now for me, it's the podcast connecting and having amazing conversations with women just like gets me really fired up and I get like the warm fuzzies when I'm done having conversations and then just being at the gym and getting to connect with people there, whether it's as a coach or just as a friend, like say, Hey, you want to come work out with me and, you know, suffer through this workout together. I, that's, I'm a social butterfly. I'm a hundred percent extrovert. So that is definitely something that defeats my soul. Cool. 
Well, I, I thank you so much for your time today and for sharing your wealth of knowledge on so many topics and giving us some strategies to, um, to really be more self-aware with our self-care today. 100%. Thank you so much. It was super fun. Yeah, it was. All right. Thank you, listeners and viewers. And please, if you resonate with what you heard Maria talk about, please connect with her. And don't be um, greedy with the knowledge. Share with your friends. Share um, with your network and, um, and become more self-aware in yourself. Yeah.